um, hopefully, uh, uh, yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Pray that you would um, pray that you would uh, move your spirit into this place. That you would um, fill the hearts and minds of the folks here, Lord. I I pray that you would help me to be faithful to to um, um, the text and to what uh, the scripture is calling of us. And and I pray that you would uh, help me to. Um, speak of, of, you know, from the word and not from myself, Lord. Um, and I pray that you would uh, just be with the folks here and if, uh, you know, that you would, would soften their hearts, that they would hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. Um, years ago, I actually don't remember the name of the author, and so I'm going to sound a little silly talking about him. Um, but I, I remember I was in high school, and, and this particular author um, wrote, a book. He's a Christian author, and he wrote a book about how the world was going to end in the next year. I, have you all seen books like that? I mean, there are lots of them, um, and they they'll point out everything in you know the the book of Revelation that it's like a newspaper for the Gulf War at the time. I remember because I had just become a Christian and I I didn't know you know anything about anything, and I I remember looking at this book and I remember being completely blown away by how you know oh my gosh he's right the world's going to end. And guess what? It didn't. I know it's a spoiler and all, but like the world didn't end 20 years ago. Um, we're we're still here. Um, and 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 it, it it's sort of funny to me actually because I I uh, learned years later that this fellow who had written this book made a, a, a sum of money selling it, and in the months following the the like heavy sales of his book, he invested all of that money in the stock market. Now think about this for a second. If the world is coming back, or if the world's coming to an end in the next, you know, year or two, and Jesus is coming back, and you're going to be standing in front of God, is the savings account the place you're aiming? <laughs> like, like it, it, it became very clear to me, and I, I, uh, I'm sort of disillusioned with folks who write books like that. Um, in general, as I suggest, you ought to consider being, if you, you know. Read the Bible. Don't you know? Skip some of that stuff. Um, th- this guy, though, he he came at it and and he came at it putting forth a type of wisdom. Right? This is what God says. And deep down, he was operating by a different set of principles. Is that about right? What's the big ugly word that we call that? By the way, hypocrisy. Right? It's hypocritical. Um, we're we're going to be looking at James four thirteen to seventeen. Actually, I'm going to read the whole thing outright to begin with because because um, I'm not sure where this sermon is going to end up. Um, I, 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 it scares me a little to say that. Um, so um, James has, and actually, we'll do the background real quick, and then we'll we'll do the whole text, and we'll come back. It's like five verses can be um, a fairly you know tight little bit of text. Uh, James wrote this book. He's writing about um, a lot of what he's writing about has to do with how we live out what we believe, right? Um, how we live out what we think is true about the world. And so um, the last two sermons, we've sort of looked at um, how James is building up an argument here, right? Um, two sermons ago, we looked at worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. And godly wisdom is, is really wisdom that's based on what we know is true about God. And that drives who we are. Um, it's, it's sort of rubber hits the road sort of belief. When, like, if I believe that the day after, um, actually the day after Abby was born, um, I had a pastor friend of mine come to me and we were talking and he said to me, um, 
you realize that that child you're holding is going to live forever and ever and ever. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I hadn't thought about that. I was so excited about teaching her to ride a bike. It hadn't occurred to me that, like, there's going to be a day that my daughter's going to stand in front of God, right? And I have this responsibility to raise her this way. And so, like, there's a part of me, this worldly wisdom part, that's saying, well, look at all the fun we're going to have and all these things, and that's not bad. God wants us to enjoy our children and our lives and stuff like that, right? But my pastor friend came to me with sort of this godly wisdom perspective, right? People live forever. They live forever, and God's graces are out of them, but we live forever. We're designed to be eternal. Um, you know, we'll, we'll you know, abide in his presence or not, like, after we, after we pass on. But, like, like eternity is real. Um, and so um, um, worldly wisdom is sort of this, this right here, right now, enjoy the world the way it is, everything I can get, I can get, right? And godly wisdom is um, operating according to God's perspective. Um, worldly wisdom is all about me, right? What can I get? How can I win? How can I beat you guys? Um, how can I, you know, it's, it's this self-centered attitude. Godly wisdom is love your neighbor as yourself and love God more than anything else. Everybody with me? Um, in the last message, we looked at the fights that were taking place in that church as a result of folks operating by the it's all about me perspective. And James sort of applies these two wisdom perspectives to these folks and says, you need to correct it. Now, he moves into um, this passage, and we're going to look, like I said, I'm going to read the whole thing. I've been saying that for about 10 minutes. Um, not a good sign. This is James 4, 13 through 17. It's not going to be, the whole thing won't be on the screen unless Jess keeps up with me. Um, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will leave and do this or that. If it is, or as it is, you boast and you brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do but doesn't do it sins. Now, I uh, worked on this sermon several times this week, and the first time I worked on it, I was subbing, and I was sitting in a classroom with a lar- you know with a, one or two kids at a time. I was a special ed sub, um, and and so it was it was a relatively light day, and so I got all this work done. And then Saturday morning, actually Friday, I went to Great Falls. And um, I, was, I was doing a pastoral thing, a hospital visit, right? And, and um, there was some stuff involved with this hospital visit. And, and I'm trying to be as vague as possible because I don't want to put other people's business out there, right? Like there's some stuff involved in this visit. But the whole time I'm thinking, didn't plan to come here today. It's what was Friday? Halloween. And I've got two kids. And I was thinking the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking, Got to take Abby to the nursing home. Got to take her trick-or-treating at the nursing home. I got to take Abby, you know, out house to house. I got to do this. I got to do that. Because my kids are a very high priority to me, right? And, and I remember talking to um, the individual I was talking to, and he, he was telling me about how he had died th- or almost died three times previous in the last few years. And I had this moment of reality where I said, I am really sitting here talking to a guy who has almost passed away, and I'm worrying about getting home as quick as I can to take my daughter to collect candy, 
Not that collecting candy is bad. You know, I actually did get to do it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I've, I've already taken my tax out of it and everything. Um, but, but, but I had this moment of reality where it's like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm living as though, and I'm forgetting the what's important in front of me. Does that make sense? Um, I got up on Saturday. I was reading through this text again, and I got an email from, from Nona. And, and some of you all got it. And I, I really am hesitant, and I want to put them out there like this, but Rusty's not doing well. And as I was reading it, I started thinking about a few weeks ago, um, I talked with somebody else about how many people in our community and connected to our community have, have got cancer. There's a lot, isn't it? I mean, it almost seems like an excess. Um, more than I remember hearing about in forever. And to take it beyond that, I, I've talked a few times with... Um, with uh, uh, Jolene and, and with her daughter about um, Tyler, right? I, Mr. Fulkenberry, who's 25 and, and died a few weeks ago of cancer. I mean, like, and, and was in remission and, and passed. And, and the reality that hit me as I was rereading this passage and restudying it um, was we're not promised tomorrow. Not at all. That's sort of a downer, isn't it? Um, we're, we're just not promised tomorrow. Um, anything can happen between now and then. Anything. Um, and, and I don't say this to, um, to make you depressed or anything else, but because there's a, a really important principle here. And it's something that, that I really want to put across because I normally don't preach like this. This is a different way I'm coming at this text because it's, it's in front of me and it's, it's strong and I can't ignore it. Um, we're not promised tomorrow, which means that we have two choices, right? We can approach that in two different, well, three, really. One, we can ignore it. Most folks ignore it, right? <laughs> you know, we sort of operate as though, you know, that's not a reality. And if you did operate as though it was a reality, it might drive you crazy, right? There are folks who approach it from the you-only-live-once perspective. You know, <laughs> got to enjoy it as much as I can right now because you never know what tomorrow is going to be. You know, and so, like, if I'm, if I'm going to um, have money, I'm going to spend it on having fun. Or if, if I'm going to, um, you know, meet people, I'm going to figure out how to enjoy them, and that's the only thing that matters, right? Um, and that's the perspective, you know, James is coming at here. And he's saying, listen, you guys, um, you know, you come at life and you say, well, th- this is how we're going to conduct our business, or this is how we're going to do things. And this is actually a variation of a, of a teaching from Jesus where Jesus talks about um, – you know, the man who has food, he, he plants, and he has a huge harvest. And he backs up, and he says, man, this is such a huge harvest. I need to build bigger barns, right? And, and it's in Luke, actually, if you want to read it yourself. But he plans to build bigger barns. And, and in the end, like, he, he looks at all the profit he's made, and he figures out how to, like, like, save it up and pile it up and get as big a pile of money as he possibly can. And, and in the end, what it was was he passed. He just died. Now, some perspective here, um, we don't live in a culture where people starve to death in the street outside of our house on a regular basis, right? Anybody remember the last time that happened? Like, we live in a land of plenty and a time of plenty. This is a man who had everything, turned around and looked and said, I don't care that there are people starving in the streets. I'm going to take advantage of my windfall, and I'm going to be rich. Um, Because instead of 
right here, right now, what does God want me to do? He was looking and saying, how can I win? Right? And I love playing games with Abby. Right? Have any of y'all ever played a board game with a three-year-old or a card game with a three-year-old? It's, it's like playing, a, I don't know, a, in Calvin and Hobbes, he, he plays games where they, they make up the rules as they go. <laughs> like you win basically doing whatever you want, and it kind of comes out that way. Um, you know, because they don't understand the game. They think, oh, well, this is what it's important, or this is what's important, or this is what's important. And in reality, they, you know, Abby just misses the point, right? Like, like it's easy to beat a three-year-old at a game because they're easy to get distracted, right? But a lot of folks approach life like a three-year-old playing chess, right? There's a set of objectives. There's something that God put us here for. We have, we have a role. We have a part to play. Um, but we forget, and it becomes about how nice of a TV I can have, right? Or whether or not I'll be able to afford that trip to Alaska in three years. Or I got five, right, to save up for it? How many years do I have? Oh, I was right. <laughs> I should end the sermon now. Um, <laughs> but we, we lose track, and we focus on things that don't matter, um, and how do I know he's talking about this? Well, because it would be easy to read this passage, right, and say, oh, well, whenever I make a plan, I should just back up and say, God willing, and then I'm doing what James says, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's not wrong to plan for the future, but you need to understand the future isn't two years from now. The future is literally forever. And the planning we make forever is going to make an enormous difference on our forever. Um, we're going to work through this in bits, and, and I'm going to try and work through this and, and incorporate the ideas we come to it. Um, today or tomorrow to engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow, and you're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Now, this vapor thing, um, does anybody have any matches? Nobody's going to admit to smoking in church. Um, <laughs> it, it's like when you light a match. And you blow it out, and you get that really strong puff of smoke for a second. You know what I'm talking about? How long does it take to disappear? Um, it's actually a phrase. He's borrowing a phrase from Ecclesiastes, which talks about how our lives are a vapor. I mean, we are here and gone, right? Um, here and gone. If you want a bit of perspective on this, um, go on over to the uh, museum when it's open. Don't break in because it's not open this time of year. But walk around and look at the pictures. Right? There are folks that you can still smell their presence, right? Like perfume or like something worse, I guess. Um, but they're gone. And all of us will one day be like that. And again, not to bring you down. But the reality is that all of us, we sit in the palm of God's hands and he makes these decisions for us, right? Um, it may be the case that a year from now, you know, I'll be in the big sandy cemetery and my wife will be you know, off in Texas with the kids. I don't know, right? Um, what I have now is what I have now, and I have the job that God has given me to do. And it's easy to put it off, isn't it? But in reality, it passes too quick. In fact, that's one of those things that I hear from folks um, as I talk about Abby and I talk about my kids. They are so wonderful. Enjoy it while you can because it's gone before you know it, right? 
And in reality, it being gone before I know it scares me, not because I'm not going to get to enjoy it while I can because I'm enjoying the heck out of it now, but because there's a certain amount of time that I can influence her heavily, my kids heavily, right? And I can shape them into people that will like grow up loving Jesus. And after that period's over, it's in God's hands. <laughs> it's like pushing the bicycle and letting go, right? <laughs> What's going to happen? Um, the reality is we have the time we have. And the godly wisdom perspective is use it now. Use it now for him. Does that mean I don't get to enjoy it? Absolutely not. Um, I came home. I had uh, a lot of work I ended up doing on my, on my Saturday. And I came home at night, and I'm trudging through the house. Have any of y'all done that where you're tired and you just don't want to deal with anything? And Jess was napping, which I don't, like, have any problem with because she deals, dealt with the kids all day while I was working. And I would be asleep, too, at that point. But I came in, and Abby saw me come in the door, and she jumped up and down and screamed and ran around me like 12 times. I couldn't believe it. And I started like, well, i got to make dinner, honey. Come on, just leave me alone so I can make dinner. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. And she's, Dad, can we push cars on the floor? No, i got to make dinner. <laughs> and, and in the end, um, I realized that I was just sort of like tossing her off to the side, right? And so we, I put her fancy dress on, and I put on half of my suit, and I wore sweatpants, and I, and I lit candles, and we prayed and ate dinner together um, because I wanted to enjoy what God gave me, right? Because the right now that I have, this moment that I have, God gave me to enjoy, right? But there's a second half to that. As I'm enjoying it, I'm showing my daughter what it means to love Jesus. Now, I don't have kids. My kids are grown up, this and that. You know, what am I supposed to do then? Do I... No, everything we do. You show up to work um, tomorrow morning. Some of y'all are going to have to do it. And the way you show Jesus to folks, the way that you display God's love to the people around you, um, the way that you talk, the words that you say, the love that comes out of you instead of the general like aggravation, irritation, or aggression, like that stuff is going to affect them. I'm here today because I had a neighbor that invited me to a picnic and the people who were at that picnic, where it was a church picnic, they were nicer to me than any non-family member I had ever met. And I don't think any of them knew how much of a difference it was going to make. Um, but I, I've been doing ministry for 20-plus years. or No, I've been a Christian for 22 years. It was 22 years Friday that I became a Christian because some people were nice to me at a picnic. You know, wow. But, but, but. Um, the impact that they had on my life, right? That puff of smoke that's here today and gone tomorrow changed my eternity. And it's changed the eternity of everyone I've encountered. And you people sit in the same place. And I sit in the same place. And we have a responsibility, right? We can bury our talents in the yard. Or we can use them now, now, now. Because we don't know what tomorrow is going to be. We can impact the lives of those that we encounter or we cannot. It comes down ultimately to two kinds of wisdom, right? It's godly wisdom. It's that God has put me here for and God has put me here to do and God has put me here to live that wisdom or get everything I can and enjoy it as much as I can while I can because you only live once, right? Gosh, I hate that phrase. Um <laughs> Um, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will, and also do this or that. Um, what he's saying is, like, 
I, I've preached, I don't know how many places, how many settings, how many um, folks, and sometimes it makes an impact and sometimes it doesn't, right? Um, that's God's deal. I teach my daughter about Jesus. I take her out on dates because I want her to know what it means to be like treated like a, you know, like a princess by you know, someone who loves her. I do these things because like, this is what God has, had, has me here to do. I can't control the long run. It's his, not mine, and I've got to trust him. Um, the way this plays out ultimately is all I can do is what I've got in my control. Now, um, here's where this gets hard. We have to back up then and ask ourselves, am I doing the right thing everywhere? <sighs> um, and here's where he plays this out. Actually, this is 17. This is a playoff of a, a passage in Proverbs, um, and it will actually affect next week's message, so uh, I'm going to read it. But 17 says, Therefore, to you who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Um, Proverbs 3, 17 and 18, or uh, 26 and 27, or something. Hold on. I actually have to look at my notes. How often do I do that? 27 and 28. Um, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. And when it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it to you tomorrow, um, when you have it now with you. Um, What he's talking about is um, it's wrong to put off the right thing till tomorrow because you just don't feel like doing it, right? Or because it's not convenient to do it. Or because it doesn't fit your priority to do it. Um, If we have something in front of us, now we need to do it. Now, how does this play out? Um, There's a line in the Sermon on the Mount where um, Jesus is talking about if you show up at the altar to give your offering and you have your offering there and you realize you've got a problem with your brother, what are you supposed to do? Leave it there and go make it right. Now, this is, mind you, if you show up to church with an offering, (laughs) don't give it. Make your life right with the people around you. Like, how often do churches say, keep your money, fix your life, right? (laughs) I'll never get that hot tub. Um, (laughs) Thanks for laughing at that, Mark. (laughs) Um, Why? Because God doesn't really care about the money you're giving, right? God has control of all the wealth in the whole world. When we give, we give because it shapes us. If we're not shaped enough to make right with the people that we're enemies with, we're not really shaped in the right way to give offerings to God, are we? If we have enemies, if we have folks we've wronged, if we have folks that we've got grudges with, if we've got folks that we've hurt, we've got to make it right. Why? Because Jesus died for that person the same way he died for me, right? And the same way he died for you. Um, this isn't a law sermon, mind you. It's, all right, so I've got to do the right thing. Ultimately, like, like the question that sits in all of it is, what do we do with what Christ did for us? Um, Jesus, you know, God's son, came to this earth took punishment for my sins. What I'm called to do in response is follow him and come under his teachings and live a certain way. I apply his teachings to my life, right? And so if I've got enemies, I make it right with them. If I am, and this is a hard one, if I'm married, I look at my spouse and say, am I acting like Jesus to my spouse? If I'm not, what do I need to do? I need to repent and I need to make it right. If I'm a parent, I make it right with them. If I'm a neighbor, if I'm an employee, if I'm anything, right? Because at the end of the day, what we're called to do is with the time we have right now. Because we don't have tomorrow. 
we're called to take that and do something. We're called to come under Jesus' teaching and live like Jesus, showing Jesus to the folks around us, um, inviting them to come and know him, sharing his word, sharing his love, like, like literally being a sweet fragrance in the world around us. So two ways I thought about this, actually three, um, but I have a cologne bottle that Jess hates for me to put on because she gave it to me. She picked it out. Um, but it, she says I put on too much. I don't know. Um, but I spray it, and how long does cologne sit in the air? Forever, right? But you can't see it after a second, right? And as you have it on you, um, it's on you, and then it dissipates, right? If I put on cologne and don't bathe for the next three days, I'm not going to smell like cologne anymore because <laughs> it's going to go away. Like that disappearing moment is going to be a fragrance in this world or it isn't, right? And so like, like you, me, the folks around us, like people are going to remember that we're like Jesus or we're not. Um, Kay, you know Kay, right? Kay Dylan? Her husband is somebody I hear about frequently. And how long ago did he pass away? It was a few years ago, right? People still talk about how much he was like Christ. Um, as I understand, he was a man who operated according to godly wisdom. He looked at the world around him. He said, what does Jesus want me to do? That's the most important thing for me to do. Um, why? Because Christ died for me and he died for you. And I'm right in front of God because of Jesus, right? If you're not, I challenge you. I welcome you. I encourage you. Figure this out. Like, come under his lordship. Accept the forgiveness that he's given you. Um, if you're under that lordship but you recognize you're not doing it, if you recognize that your marriage is a mess, that you're fighting with your neighbors, that the people around you hate when you walk in the room because it's like somebody like throwing a bomb in because you're angry and miserable and horrible and they're like, oh, just stay away. I don't like you. Um, if that's you, back up and look and say, am I operating according to godly wisdom? Like, where am I at? Am I doing right here? Um, this is an oddball sermon. I, I, I acknowledge, but this is what's been on my heart since... You know, yesterday morning, we're not promised tomorrow. Not at all. We are promised eternity. Right? We may not be able to do the work we have now. We will stand in front of God. What have we done with it? Um, this is the first Sunday of the month. Or first Sunday of the month, we do, uh, it's a communion Sunday for us. Um, and... I'm going to call forward my ushers. Do I have ushers? I don't, do I? Do I? 